Well, family, let's continue uh, with a posture of attentiveness towards God this morning by opening the scriptures. We're in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. It's going to appear in your chat. Um, This is actually the scripture that in 2012 inspired the name of our church. So look for the word access as we read together uh, in our, our first conversations as we dreamed about this community Um, The letter to the uh, churches in the area of Ephesus is, in my opinion, Paul's most beautiful letter. Uh, It's it's my favorite letter of Paul's. It's the one that I return to the most often. Uh, And in it, he relates this vision for what life together in Christ looks like and how the people of God are to embody the presence of Jesus in the world. So in the passage we're going to read, he's addressing the reality of division between Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles. And so let's just allow this text to speak to us in the midst of our divided and racially divided world. Uh, There was a prayer request, I think think it was Angela uh, who put the prayer request in the chat, prayer uh, regarding division in the body of Christ. Um, the division in the body of Christ is um, sadly a, a mirror, or maybe if you attend Andrea's seminar, maybe a driver of racial division uh, in, our, in our nation. So let's allow God's holy and authoritative word to speak into that reality this morning. Um, family, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. So then, remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth called the circumcision, the uncircumcision, pardon me, by those who were called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near, for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place. For God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, what a good and beautiful picture your word gives us of life together in you. 
And uh, Jesus, it is truly sad and painful uh, when we see and experience the ways that we are not living into this reality. But thank you that the vision is set out for us in your word. Thank you that all the strength that we need to pursue this vision is available in your spirit. Thank you that the invitation to participate at all in this beautiful vision comes from your grace and your mercy, that relentless pursuit of reconciliation with us that you model in your life, Lord Jesus. So as we lift up our divided world to you, we pray, Spirit of God, speak through the word of God to the people of God. And everyone on Zoom said, Amen. Amen. Um, well, folks, like, like a few of you, I was glued to the presidential inauguration ceremony this week. Anyone else? Anyone else? So, uh, yeah, uh, I made the mistake a couple weeks ago of trying to work on the day they were certifying election results. Okay, and that was a bit of a wash. So I, I decided if there's any way that I can structure some time, which I can, I just made some extra time um, to, to just watch the whole thing. Um, you know, there had been so many threats of violence, right? I was really concerned that something would happen. And, and I think until actually um, uh, the president and vice president took the oaths of office, I was, I was literally on edge. I mean, I think, I, I think actually I'm still a little tense. I've been telling people I'm having kind of like a four-year adrenaline crash this, uh, this weekend. I've been exhausted. Um, but um, I'm grateful that it happened peacefully. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, it was a powerful ceremony full of meaning, full of unprecedented representation. Uh, come on, somebody say Amanda Gorman. Amen. Come on now. Uh, it was a day that blessed us with Michelle Obama's belt buckle and Bernie Sanders mittens. Am I right? Um, we're still enjoying that. It was. I, I don't know when the Bernie thing is going to get tired. They keep finding new ways to do it. So we'll see. I think we'll get a few more weeks out of that. Um, it was great entertainment. Um, I think the best thing about the ceremony was the diverse representation, right? I mean, you got the first African-American, the first Indian-American, and first female vice president, all right? Kamala Harris is a threefer. Um, she's Boston all the way up. Um, you also had a female African-American firefighter using sign language from the podium. Uh, there was J-Lo yelling in Spanish over an English track, right? Um, and and, and uh, do I need to say it again? Amanda Gorman. Let's keep bringing her back. Um, youngest poet to read at an inauguration, going all the way in with spoken word. I'm like, ah, I cannot get enough of this. Um, and uh, look, I've never been a Garth Brooks fan. I mean, never. I've hated on Garth Brooks since the 1990s. But when he asked me and my family to sing Amazing Grace, I was like, oh, great. Now I'm crying again. You know, thanks a lot, Garth. Um, beautiful day. Beautiful day, powerful ceremony, um, lots to love. Um, that said, the most problematic thing I found about the inauguration was the American exceptionalism. Okay, the references 
to how America overcame, to how America always does the right thing. This kind of talk should worry us, right? And we should be uh, examining critically the similarities between the inauguration ceremony and, as Luke Bonna pointed out, a church service. Why are those so similar? The idea of trusting in the American spirit, the erasing of indigenous people and history in the narrative that, that was told. I mean, I think there was, there was some mention, some acknowledgement, but some erasure too. To the extent that we think the significant and powerful representation happened because of our greatness as an American people, folks, we are giving credit to the wrong source. That is not why that happened. If we believe that our hope for a more just and more beautiful world is to be found in the greatness of America, we are in for deep disappointment and even deeper danger. So I think God is in the timing today because the already scheduled topic for the sermon is racial reconciliation. Jesus is calling our church. Uh, the Spirit is leading access in transformation, health, and justice. Those are our priorities for 2021, and we're starting the year specifically naming the foundational disciplines that facilitate that kind of growth. And I'm continuing to follow Pastor Rich Bielas Jr. and his book, The Deeply Formed Life, which recommends these foundational practices, contemplative spirituality, racial reconciliation, self-examination, sexual wholeness, and missional presence. And here at Access, as part of our commitment to health, we're going to hold these, we're going to pray and try to hold these with uh, humility and gentleness, okay? Not in a coercive or controlling or manipulative way, because that's not how the Holy Spirit works. We'll choose to believe that God is going to lead us in God's timing and God's way. And with all these practices, the, the topics are too broad. Racial reconciliation is too deep for, for me to be comprehensive this morning. So what I'm hoping is that these will be conversation starters, that these will be table setters going forward into this year in what God is calling us to together. So real quick, um, before I start to break down the scripture, a couple definitions, attempted definitions, culture and race. We use those interchangeably sometimes. Um, I'm not going to use them interchangeably. Okay, when I say culture, what I'm talking about is a way of seeing and relating to the world that is shared in common by a group of people. That's culture, a way of seeing and relating to the world, a set of values and principles that organize communal life. You'll find a specific culture in every people and every place in the world. And culture often reflects the image of God in specific communities. Culture. Different than race. Okay, race is an American social construct that was created to preserve white power. It is based on the idea that people of different physical and cultural characteristics have inherent differences in value and intelligence rooted in our biology. And it is an idea that is deeply ingrained in our national psyche, not even one that we say specifically, but it continues to form us at a profound level, which is why we need racial reconciliation. What we see in the text I just read is that Jesus, and not the greatness of America, 
makes racial reconciliation, makes real reconciliation possible. He doesn't do it by blessing imperial power. He doesn't do it with superficial calls for unity that are intended to silence survivors and prevent accountability for abusers. He does it with his death and his resurrection. He does it in his own body. He does it when he reveals our sin, when he restructures our communities, and when he renews our life together. The passage begins, and and Paul speaks to the Gentiles, and he says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, without hope and without God in the world. Uh, Not a great conversation starter, obviously. Remember how far you were from God? But in order to bring about reconciliation, Jesus reveals our sin. This is true in our relationship with God. This is true in our relationships with each other. And this is true when we think of relationships between groups of people. This is true when we think of cross-cultural relationships. This is true when we think of the racial dynamics in our society in order to bring about reconciliation, Jesus reveals our sin. Real unity, real communion with God and with each other cannot happen if we refuse to own our sin. And racial reconciliation is not possible unless we allow God to reveal the reality of the systemic sins that continue to form the way we live our lives. Jesus confronts us with the reality of our sin, including the systemic sin in which we participate and from which we benefit, because facing our sin is necessary to find the thing he wants, which is reconciliation. Some helpful practices in in the journey to reconciliation that Pastor Rich recommends here are to remember and to lament. We've got to remember our racial history as a nation and to lament the reality of our racial sin. If we don't remember where we came from, we'll have no idea where we are. Okay? We will be so shocked and confused by the separation of families at the border if we don't remember that we are a nation that has always broken apart families of color, whether through the slave trade or native boarding schools or Japanese internment, I could go on. We will be shocked and confused by the mass shootings of Latinos in a Texas Walmart or African Americans in a South Carolina church if we don't remember that we are a nation that has all, where where people of color have always lived with the threat of targeted, unprovoked violence. We won't understand it if we don't remember where we come from. And if we don't allow ourselves to lament and open ourselves to the fullness of God's grief over these injustices, we'll never generate the kind of depth that we need for the profound work that God wants to do in us and through us. Poet Carla Carla Cordero says, Grief becomes an ocean you can rise on. And that's what lament can do for us. It can allow us to be renewed in our imaginations so that we can begin to seek the world God desires. In the words of the the writer James Baldwin, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. 
Jesus wants to change the reality of racial injustice. He wants to create racial reconciliation. And so he reveals our sin. He reveals our sin, and as he leads us in reconciliation, he restructures our communities. It is impossible to overstate the the earth-shattering nature of verse 15, where Paul says that Jesus set aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. See, one of the most challenging dilemmas that the early church had to face was what to do with the law of Moses. This God-given set of practices that had formed the Hebrew people into a people and helped them know God. But as the community of Jesus followers transitioned from monocultural to intercultural, it became apparent that God's people had been blessed not by their adherence to a culturally specific way of knowing God, but by the unending love and grace of their creator that was embodied in Jesus. And in order to be reconciled across cultural barriers, they had to dispense with some of their most cherished cultural understandings of God. And so they radically restructured the way they lived as a community, spiritual practices that were thousands of years old, things like male circumcision or not eating pork or a woman going into seclusion during her period. Those things went from being mandatory to optional. It was huge restructuring. Uh, People that were forbidden to eat together were then commanded to eat together. Uh, It is impossible to overstate how jarring this would have been uh, as the change happened. Some helpful practices for restructuring that Pastor Rich recommends are listening and racial self-examination. We listen to one another We listen across cultural and racial lines. We listen not to win arguments or to acquire power, but because we assume we need to learn and grow together. And as we listen, we may come to understand that we have some cherished assumptions that are maintaining racial hostility among us. You know, one of the assumptions that dominant culture brings is the assumption that everyone should be treated the same. I mean, it makes sense. It sounds great, right? Everyone should be treated the same. That seems fair. But in the course of this church plant, as I listen to women of color, starting with my wife, I hope, it was made clearer to me that women of color in Portland, Oregon, have a specific set of needs that not everybody has. And spiritual growth and well-being for women of color looks different than it looks for people who are not women of color. And this is what was happening. In the first four years of our church, I basically tried as a pastor to lead our spiritual lives uh, based on the journey of white males. Because that is how I was trained. That is what I was taught was normal, regular, and for everybody. And restructuring our life as a church in order to validate the voices of women of color has been so important in cooperating with what the Holy Spirit wants to do here. Um, But it has also been the most costly and painful thing that I have done as the pastor of this church. It has led to some of the most difficult conversations and, and greatest heartaches. 
But I 100% believe that it was necessary for us to grow in reconciliation. I'm not even a little bit sorry. I would do it again. Because restructuring uh, our life as a church was necessary and will continue to be necessary if we are to be a racially reconciled people to examine the ways that our default structures actually can be exclusive and oppressive and not congruent with the heart of God. So let's grow in listening. Let's grow in racial self-examination to ask why we think what we think, to ask how the stories of our ancestors influence who we are today. We are not done yet. Let's allow Jesus to keep restructuring our community. And because Jesus has revealed the reality of sin, and because Jesus is restructuring his church, Paul tells us, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Does anyone else find that just beautiful? I find that incredibly beautiful that as we allow Jesus to reveal our sin and restructure our community, we are joined in a profound and mysterious way to each other and to all God's holy people through the ages, especially through this man, Jesus. And he is creating us into a place, into a people where the same spirit that filled the oceans with water and made the dry land emerge, that covered the earth with life, that same spirit lives within us, within our community. And Paul brings two things together. He brings the Gentile concept of citizenship, citizenship within the Greek urban centers to the indigenous Hebrew concept of membership in a family, and he holds those both together. And he goes, you are citizens in these multicultural urban centers, and you are members of God's indigenous family. And as the goodness and beauty of both of those cultures come together, this new thing that renews human spirits is born. And the practice I'd invite us to uh, in regard to this is reconciling prayer. It's a renewing practice when we invite the Holy Spirit into all our mess, all our need, all our hope, and all our desire, and we pray for God's will to be done. And church, as we have done this, we have seen God at work. Um, I've heard uh, Sherry, a woman of color, telling me that she doesn't know how she would have made it in Portland, Oregon without her women of color small group. Amen? I've heard my wife, Sabrina, a woman of color, lifelong churchgoer and pastor's kid, so we've got some competition, telling me this is the best church experience she's ever had. Okay, but it's not just women of color. I hear a white man like Eddie saying that this is the most connected he has felt at a church since he was a teenager. 
Hashtag goals. If people are feeling like you felt in youth group when the sense of God's presence and connection to community was so fresh and palpable. I see a white sister like Bonnie making a comeback from profound church hurt to receive healing and authority in this place. And circling back to the inauguration, the good things we saw at the inauguration didn't come from the greatness of America. They didn't come from the vision of the founders. In fact, they came because believers confronted the sins of our nation and restructured their communities so that people could be renewed. The first people in our country to have black women speaking in authority over groups? The church. The first place I heard a woman loudly declaring in Spanish over an English song? The church. It wasn't the founders. It wasn't the American spirit. It was the people of God cooperating with God's will and the work of the Holy Spirit revealed in Jesus. And access, we are those people. Jesus is making us into those people. So let's welcome it when he reveals our sin. Let's welcome it when he invites us to restructure our community. And let's believe and rejoice that he wants to renew us as a reconciled people. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. Build us into a dwelling place where the Most High God lives and extends the embrace of Jesus Christ to all people, to Jews, to Gentiles, to oppressors, to oppressed, to those who have been pushed to the outside and those who have been set at the center. Thank you, God, that your embrace is wide enough and it is deep enough to meet all of humanity, to meet all of creation. Holy Spirit, would you guide us? Would you lead us? Would you reveal to us the ways that the racial sins of our nation and our people continue to form us? Show us the places you want us to be set free from the narrative of racial difference that is ingrained in our psyche. Give us wisdom and courage in restructuring our life as a community in order to more fully reflect your desire, God. And Holy Spirit, the whole way, would you come and renew our spirits? Would you come and give us the great joy of being a dwelling place for the Most High God? The great joy of knowing that the Creator of heaven and earth has us and our people in mind. You are a good and holy God, and we worship you. Amen.